You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, traders and investors. Are you guys ready for another round of pre-market prep? Everything you guys need to get your trading morning started. Let's get into it. Today, we got a lot to talk about. Of course, core PCE will be the main focus. That hits at 8.30 and then going into, of course, 10 o'clock where it will be all eyes on Fed Chair Powell's speech at Jackson Hole Symposium. We'll talk a little bit about Fed Buller's comments yesterday. We'll take a look at potentially uh, Amazon announcing a formal deal for EA. Merck in the news. We got earnings from Marvell, Ulta, Affirm, Workday, Gap, and then we'll get into a little bit about Elon Musk and SpaceX with T-Mobile. We got our guest today, Joel Saluzzi, partner and co-founder of Themis Trading. Let's go ahead. Let's dive into today's pre-market prep. Hit the like before we get started. This definitely supports us and lets us know that you guys appreciate pre-market prep. Let's do it. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your hosts, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, let's go ahead. Let's bring on Dennis Dick and uh, last day without Joel Conan. So don't freak know, out, guys. We miss he Joel. will be back. We miss him. We miss him. That's for certain. Um, it, it's not the same, right? I, I don't, you know, cover the futures as nowhere near as good as Joel Conan. So I'll try to do my best today, like always, and we'll get into the market action. What did you see out EA there yesterday? EA tanking right now. We just got to jump right into EA. Oh, it just, because what this happened there? rumor this morning was just, and we were skeptical of this right away. Yeah, and I was talking about it with uh, Yeah, so Dennis bring the up pre-show. the news. It just broke here at 8 o'clock. CNBC also saying it. Amazon is not expected to make a bid for electronic arts. Uh, so you had a news article this morning just to catch you guys up. Um, go to the pro um, here, Mitch, and you can show I got it on you the right pro here. if you want. Well, show I, it on the pro. Yeah, show I got it you on the pro. Gotcha. Yeah, go. All right, there you go. I'll pull it on up here for us here. Let's go ahead. Let's go to EA. So you guys can see both of the headlines have hit there. Uh, first one was a rumor for Amazon to set to buy EA. And uh, this was according to GLHF sources uh, that Amazon would announce today to put a formal order for acquiring EA. Of course, there has been talks with Apple, Disney, uh, Amazon, at least rumors out there for being potential buyers. And now you're seeing kind of uh it get hit really hard um who came out with the 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 no there Did i'm you- not sure if it's faber it broke right at eight o'clock when we're gonna start the show the chat might realize it i think it might have been actually faber faber is talking right now so and faber is connected we know david faber on cnbc is the number one guy like that's going to be connected a david faber breaks stop david faber sometimes you know breaks things like that they're not buying the company but i mean i don't know who in the hell 
was paying $145 for EA this morning here. Bring up the chart. You can see it on the pre-market, obviously, and you can see the collapse. I mean, these are rumors, folks. This is from, a, you know, and, and you know, not like a Wall Street Journal rumor here. And, you know, the algos are just buying EA up substantially this morning, trading up over $147, up 20 bucks. I mean, even if Amazon was buying them, was there going to be that much premium? So sometimes these rumors are just good selling opportunities. And that's what I was going to say if we got the show started before Faber just kind of pissed in her pool. Because I was going to come on and say, if I was long EA, I would be selling the hell out of this rumor here right now because I don't think it materializes. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, and I Faber's mean, Faber's obviously coming on and beat me to the punch here. So our show started too late. Faber comes on early too. He doesn't usually come on till nine. So he got us there. We talked about it in the pre-pre-show. I wish you guys had access to that. That's always the, where the great stuff happens. And Dennis and I were like, man, I mean, that people are just here, you know, by by the rumor, ask ask later. And then I was Crazy. reading into it and I was like, but this source, I don't know. Wouldn't Reuters or Wall Street Journal rather have, a have bit that as your source insight sure. a little bit yes. before, you know, one of the major leaders? Those are the rumors that I feel like I, I tend to believe a little bit more than just a, sure. a random source coming out. And I, I think that clear example is right here. We're getting we're getting it right here, and and you I agree with you, Dennis. The algos probably jumped all over this and started bringing it up there. I don't know if you watched the price action, but that was a pretty big rise, and then smacked right back down there. So EA not expect uh, Amazon not expected to make the bid for EA. Now the question will be: Will we hear about some of the other potential buyers? Will Apple? Or Disney, we'll be here from them. No, something that we got to keep no. on watching. I, I think EA is big, man. You got to have a yeah. big, and it's not Apple style to come in and buy a company like that. Amazon's been kind of changing their style a little bit since Bezos hasn't been running the show. Um, so it wouldn't have shocked me. But again, it was the source. I was coming from Wall Street Journal, you know, Dow Jones type. You know, then you're thinking, you know, yeah, there's more to it, or even from CNBC. Um, people are asking like crazy about the pre-pre show. The pre-pre show <laughs> is just me and Mitch on a Skype call talking about what we're going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's the and good Joel stuff, be in guys. There too. So yeah, all that so- is is our, our, our call here actually ahead of time on stream here there just to talk about what we're going to talk about. So we joke, but we literally were just saying 10 minutes ago, <laughs> we're talking the EA is the number one story here today. It's up 20 points on a rumor from a source that we don't even trust. I'm like, I would hit the bed as fast as you could is what I was going to say. And then obviously <laughs> the show's and favors broken up before eight o'clock. So, anyways, EA is coming off substantially. It's still up seven bucks. I'd still be selling it at seven bucks. I mean, obviously the algorithm is saying, well, maybe Faber's wrong or maybe CNBC's wrong, and they really are going to get a bid. I don't think so. Um, How so, are the other ones? You know, it wouldn't. Moving. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be like if it came from Dow Jones. You know, it would. It does. It makes some sense. Like it does. It's not like oh, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like when Peloton, when Amazon was going to buy Peloton, that made no sense. This makes some sense. You've got Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard. There's only two other big players in the industry, Take-Two and EA. Could one of them eventually get bought? They could. EA is not expensive either. None of these gamers are really that expensive. Take-Two is probably the most expensive of them all. I own Take-Two, full disclosure. Um, I've always thought of it as best of breed. But I just don't, you know, didn't trust the source. Both of us were at the same thing. I'm like, I don't know how connected they are. It's not like it's coming from CMC. Nothing to, you know, say that they they, they can't yeah. break something somewhere else. But, you know, Wall Street Journal, Dow Jones, you know, CNBC, they break stuff. You know, writers, you know, obviously a little bit different. So, anyways, so that's the story. EA not getting bought, it looks like, but still trading up 5% because everybody still is like, what if Faber's wrong? Now, I was looking at the relationships to see how hard they got hit right back down. Were they also getting smacked right back down? Take two, right back down there. Right back down. All the sympathy uh, the, just The only one that is hanging right out down. a little bit is this Billy, but I don't know. Maybe it has some other catalyst out there, but we'll see what well, happens. Well, Billy's been running around here. I don't know what's going on in Billy. There's got to be some other news in that one there. Yeah, this was down. Billy was down just about an hour and a half ago. I don't know. If they, I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm gonna have to take a I little bit deeper. Follow look. that company very closely there, but something's up with Billy. That's news for sure because mm-hmm. really bad. You can see here. Roblox got hit with that news. Also, it was coming up yeah. with the EA news and then got smacked down right there. So, and see, we'll see Roblox, what happens. Roblox makes no sense to me. Like, if somebody's gonna buy that, people are like, why wouldn't you buy Roblox? You want to know why you don't buy Roblox? 
because the market caps and you got to look at what you know you're buying yay one of the biggest gaming companies in the world roblox obviously a new uh new, new company on the street they got some pretty you know, they got some products that people like obviously here at least the one product that people like but you're talking about a 25 billion dollar market cap for roblox 25 billion i mean this is a company that's burning cash and 25 billion dollars i mean ea you could say well ea is 34 billion dollars but ea is established it's been in the industry it's one of the big three roblox is still trying to get there and they almost got as much market cap at one point in time they had a bigger market cap than ea that's how stupid this market is so i i don't see anybody coming and paying that kind of for roblox but ea i think could get bought by somebody eventually so i'm 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 not saying that you know it wouldn't make sense for amazon to buy them it was just a source of interest all right, let's get out of the EA talk. Let's go back to the overall market. Didn't even get a chance to talk about it because we all of a sudden got the EA just flipping right news. back down yeah. there. So let's yeah. take a look at the SPY as we got out of the hourly range yesterday. Um, it seems like we just got a pop and it was a lot of uh, kind of technology that led us back. Um, what did you see yesterday in the intraday action that caught your attention, Dennis? Um, it was a rally because, you know, we've sold off for three, four days in August. We, we know we less like to chop around and people probably selling ahead and saying, well, what if he's not that, you know, what if he's not hawkish? What if, you know, he talks about, you know, only going 50 or something like that. So I think you had people maybe in shorts, nervous coming into the Jackson hole. And obviously Powell is going to speak today. We're also going to get the PCE here, uh, breaking here and Mitch as well. So we got lots mm -hmm. of information coming at us here today. So it's just chop. We're going to be chop. You know, you, we, we dropped from 431 to 413. It felt like in a heartbeat. You know, five five trading sessions. We lost 200 S&P handles. So here you go. Another 50% retracement. We love the 50%. So, you know, they go down. Stock's trading in waves. We lose 200 points. So we're going to pick back up. Maybe we pick back up 100, get to 422, 423 before they have the next rug pull. I think it's an opportunity to sell. I'm still staying overall bearish. I'm still staying 50% cash in my long-term portfolio. I'm still leaning short in my trading account. So with all that being said, could be wrong and things could change today with Powell's speech. We'll see what happens in that speech. Of course, it's coming at 10 a.m. Before then, we'll get, of course, core PCE price index month over month and year over year. That's going to be hitting at 8.30. Of course, the estimate for the month over month is at 0.3. Prior was 0.6 uh, year over year July estimate was at 4.7 and the prior was at 4.8. We're going to see what happens here. This is really going to give us a little bit more of a leading indication here for uh, inflation right before Jerome Powell is going to go ahead and speak an hour and a half after. So a lot is going to go on between here. We'll see what happens in the SPY uh, if we get that movement. That's going to hit at 8.30. So I'm sure Dennis will go wide and I will stay with you guys. We'll go to the minute and see what happens on that PCE. Let's keep moving forward. Let's really quickly, I want to give you guys some of the comments that were made by Fed uh, Bullard yesterday. So let's go ahead. Let's run through that. Uh, Bullard said that after the pandemic, we set out a path on asset buying that was overboard and says that they now have to switch back, saying that the Fed has to get inflation back to 2%. He says that my baseline is that inflation will be more persistent than what many expect, says inflation will be higher for longer, says markets are showing outstanding confidence in the Fed and hope they are right. Fed Bullard says that rates aren't high enough and say they need to get policy rate to where it pushes downward pressure on inflation. Says after rates get above 3.75 to 4%, that's when he would take a reassessment. Um, we'll take a look at what happens there. I mean, I think we're going to get the same kind of comments from Jerome Powell that we expect. I think so. Just a, a persistent fight against inflation, kind of a reiteration of what we've already heard. I don't expect to hear anything different. I don't think it's going to be shocking comments here either coming from Powell here today. I don't think he's going to be, you know, oh, the, you know, pulling the wool over our eyes and we didn't see this coming. So he, I think he's going to stay hawkish. I think his sentiment will be that towards Bullard, that they've got to stay the course. They've got to bring down demand to fight inflation here. So rates are going to stay up here for the foreseeable future. Now, you know, with all that being said, um, you know, how much is priced in, how much is not priced in. Like you can just, you know, go and, you know, the market participants will be saying, oh yeah, well, you know, if he's going to be hawkish, we're going to come back down. Well, it's not that simple. 
you know, because what are the expectations? It's never about what is actually said. It's all about what is expected to be said. It's the same thing with earnings as well. You know, you can have a killer quarter, but if they're already kind of expecting it to be a killer quarter, stock can go down on a killer quarter. So it's the same thing here. You know, what are they expecting from Powell? I kind of think that they're expecting more of the same talk, which might just be like a relief if he doesn't go even more hawkish. So, yeah. um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see some follow through gains. I, I keep thinking about the, the 50% of the recent move. So 431 on SPY down to 411. That's basically a 20 point fall on SPY. So if you come back up 10 points from there, you'd get to 421, 422. I think that's where I'd be starting to ring the register if I was just taking some longs, or I think that's where I'd be starting to raise some cash. About 20, 30 handles up from here. I think you could whipsaw. I think you could have some chop. Maybe you don't want to sit around and wait for the last 20 handles. Overall, I'm still bearish. Trying to see if we even got back towards the 38.2. Yeah, that's... uh, No, it actually got below that. I mean... I'm trying to see some some retracement levels where we caught the bounce there. It seems like 411, but I don't see any retracement levels that line up with that. Um, the one but, problem is when you get into 61 and all the other ones, you can find a number for everything. So, you know, that's why I keep it simple. I always teach my technical analysis in 30 seconds. So a new person, you know, it's just getting technical analysis. This is all that I use. Support, resistance, trends, 50%. Actually, I taught that to you in six seconds. Six-second technical analysis course, it's all you need. You can have all the other fancy tools. You can use all the other stuff. But really, all you need is that. 22 years successful here. Built my whole wealth on trading from, you know, basically those four technical analysis tools. Obviously, technical analysis is only one tool in my toolbox. We know my big tool is relationships and understanding which stocks are related to each other, sector trading, and all the other stuff, which we've talked about in our webinars. But really, from a technical analysis perspective, support, resistance, trends, 50%. You don't need anything else. Uh, and you know what? It, whatever works for you guys is is the important thing there. You know, you guys see how Dennis goes about it, and he's able to do it without even caring for the charts. Most of the time, he only has one chart up, and doesn't even matter to him what technicals are going on there. Most of the time, let's go ahead. Let's get into it. Let's get out of the spy talk. Let's go to Merck. As Merck has news today, let's get out of the eyes on Jackson Hole. Let's go to Merck now with their buyout of CGen hitting the speed break over yes. price agreement um, and definitely battling here. A CGen have not been able to agree on the buyout price. Bloomberg reporting and then Merck and CGen deal is expected to be sealed within a few weeks worth roughly $40 billion or more. So what do you expect here from the Gosh. price action, Dennis? I mean, this deal has been on the rumor block for months and months and months. It's like Merck's going to buy Seijin, Merck's going to buy Seijin, Merck's going to buy Seijin. You know, the stock's been holding up, 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 up. I mean, if they can't agree on price and it's you know, and it's been this long, maybe the deal does fall apart. And obviously, risk arbs are like, yeah, they're selling it here today, and obviously, you know, the stock's taking a really big hit, down 14 points here. I don't know. Maybe I think the deal maybe eventually probably still does go through somehow. It's obviously that Merck wants them. I don't know if they can agree upon the price. Maybe, you know, today's pricing action might make them agree a little quick quicker here. But it looks like Merck is like, nah, if you don't want to agree on the price, we could walk. So, you know, we don't have to buy you here. So stock is trading down. It's kind of back to where it was when these rumors started, though. So I often like that, actually, when, you know, a stock is rumored to get bought out. It pops up, you know, and I don't like to chase. If it eventually comes back to the level where it was before the buyout, sometimes I'm like, I've got the free call option. You know, it's back to where it was before the rumor, and the rumor is there still. So, you know, maybe they turn around, they do buy them. So I actually don't mind this, you know, 145 to 150 on SGEN. I think I'd be a buyer, although like I'm not out there physically buying it here yet, but I, I, I kind of like it 145 to 150. All right, we'll see what happens there in CGen and Merck. And uh, let's go towards our earnings stocks now. Let's get out of the major movers that had some uh, micro catalysts. Go to the earnings stocks. Let's go to Marvell now. I wonder, uh, do you still got this one, Dennis? Uh, no, I sold it, but I'm going to okay. rebuy it here. Just eventually. wanted to kind of think about it there. Uh, I bought Marvel it at four. I bought right at the bottom, Mitch. I bought like right? that. What, it was ah. either July 1st or July 5th. I think I paid 41 and change. I literally got the 41 handle on this one. I mean, not very often you get the bottom, but I did. It popped up so quick, so fast. I think I sold at 53. I was in this trade for two weeks. And I'm like, in a bear market, when your stock goes up 25% in two weeks, you sell it. 
And that's why I did. Now, again, you know, this, you know, pulling back here, it's back to kind of where I sold it here. A little bit different story. It didn't just rally 25% in two weeks. So, you know, maybe I'm going to rebuy this thing. I Eventually, to go back to 41, I would. I don't know if you're going to get that low here again, but it's something to think about. I mean, this is a good level here, 51 to 50. It's found some support here already. It's pulling back. Obviously, had earnings reports. So give us the numbers here, Mitch. Numbers coming in here at EPS at 57 cents, beating the 56 cent estimate sales at 1.52 billion, missing the 1.5. It seems like. It, it was in line at 1.52, maybe off a little bit on the yeah. millions there. Uh, but Marvel Technology sees Q3 EPS at 56 cents to 62 cents on the high end versus the estimate of 60 cents. So pretty much in line also with their guidance. Um, it seems like they just hit their numbers. It, it really wasn't too off there. A one cent beat there on the EPS. And it seems like they missed by a couple million on the sales. Um, man. It's a hard Again, decision. I've already given my analysis. I'll just say there's support from where it is bouncing 51 to 52. I'd love it to get back down to 41 to reload where I originally bought it. That 40 level, which I originally bought at, was just a huge level. I just got done talking about support resistance trends. You go out to the monthlies, you'll see that 40, just a huge line in the sand, which is why you know I technically was buying it there for a swing trade. Um, and it could have been a long-term investment if it wouldn't have went up so dang fast. But when they go up so fast in a bear market, you got to analyze your environment you're in and then analyze, you know, your opportunity, you know, and your mm-hmm. risk and everything. And that's what I'm always doing. Just like the square. You know, I picked up the square at a really good price. You know, everything that I was buying when I was buying seven, six, seven weeks ago and everybody was selling, you know, I brought myself down, you know, and I, I loaded up a bunch of, you know, stocks. They all just turned into big winners very quickly. Some of these stocks went up 30, 40% in two, three weeks. So again, we're in a bear market. Those are big gains in a bear market. Yes, you take those gains in a bear market. Now, one of the ones that caught me yesterday was NVIDIA's move up. Um, Why? (laughs) That's the only thing I can say. That's the way this market is. is. It's hungry for (laughs) debt buying opportunities. And don't discount the overall market. The overall market was strong. And then people are looking, well, what can I buy? You've got to put yourself in the head of the big money manager. And he's like seeing the market take off. He's got all this cash. He's like, okay, NVIDIA's pulling back here. I'm going to buy it. They're not analyzing, you know, that, oh, it's trading 39 times. They're looking for a market stock that's going to move with the market that's pulling back. So that's why NVIDIA had the key reversal yesterday, got bought up. Again, I'm not putting in the long-term portfolio because the stock is not cheap. And it won't be in the long-term portfolio unless, one, the earnings grow like hell or the price falls like crazy. It's the only way it'll hit the long-term portfolio. But as a trade... Um, you've got to look. It was a good candle yesterday, but I'm not going to you know, chase it here. These are probably the trades that confuse me the most, I'll tell you, Dennis, because at least from my eyesight, you know, I, we read into the earnings, we read into the fundamentals, and then it seems like the fundamentals don't matter once the bell Sometimes starts ringing. Don't. And that's Sometimes just what it is. Sometimes they don't matter. That's true. And, that's true. And, and, and you know what? In trading, in short-term trading, you don't really need fundamentals. I, I analyze fundamentals more from a long-term perspective. But in the real short-term day trading stuff, you just need to know how stuff's related. You don't need to know, you know, and, and crunch balance sheets. I've never listened to a conference call in 20 years. I've never listened to one, not one. Because you know what? You're wasting your time. Because you could sit there and listen to all these conference calls. And maybe you pick up one tidbit and you get one trade. But how much time did you waste listening to all those other conference calls? I have an opportunity cost. You know, if I'm listening to those calls, I'm not doing something else. There is more money in other things. You know, I'm only one person. Maybe if I could automate myself and become, you know, a bazillion Denny's, then I could sit here and listen to conference calls and pick up the odd thing off of one. You know, if you're awesome at automation and you can actually write a program to listen to the conference call, to be able to process the information correctly and then execute on that, congratulations, that's way above my pay grade. Um, but, you know, I'm only a human being here. I do have some automation, but it's more market making systems than anything um, where, you know, I'm basically not going to sit here wasting my time listening to conference calls. All right, let's go towards the next stock here. And I think we need to start asking some of our female traders some more insight because it looks like Ulta Beauty kicking it out the water here, uh, getting some nice lift on. And I like the daily outlook too. It's a nice push on the daily. Let's give the numbers here at EPS coming at $5.70, beating the $5 estimate. Sales at $2.3 billion, beating the $2.2 billion estimate. Ulta raising its full year 2022 EPS guidance from 19 
dollars and twenty cents to twenty dollars and ten cents. Um, uh, uh, that was the estimate, and now they're raising it to a low end of twenty dollars and seventy cents to a high end of twenty one twenty, and so raising also their sales guidance. Um, from a high end of 9.55 billion to a high end of 9.75 billion, so raise and raise um, there, and it's looking it's looking good here. This stock has got to be one of the best run companies in the whole world. This company just fires on all cylinders. It seems like all the time. It seems like they always beat. This stock is approaching an all time high. There is not a lot of stocks making new all time highs, but we are five bucks away from an all-time high on ULTA. That is impressive in itself. You're in this full-on raging bear market with some stocks are down 80, 90% from the highs. Some, you know, the average stock only down, you know, 15 to 20, but there are some stocks that have been absolutely killed. This stock fires on all cylinders, does it right all the time. Um, if you want to own a good company, this is the one. Valuations always, again, some of the best companies, you know, are just expensive. Uh, but on pullbacks here, it's probably, you know, I, I think it's a buy if, it's, if it was to pull back. And just for you guys out there, uh, don't worry. Guess what? I shop at Ulta too. They have some good cologne section, so that's where I get my colognes. Match all over it. Hey, gotta go to gotta go to the stores, right? Put I that mean, there's one on thing for the show. So you want to smell nice for the show? Oh yeah, you, sure. you guys don't want to smell <laughs> all that. That's the good stuff, man. You got to save that stuff, Dennis. All right, but we'll keep going. We'll get out of Ulta. Let's keep now. It's eight twenty-five. I do want to keep on watch because PCE is going to move this market. I think today. I gotta go and so wide. something it's that we me. need to keep watch. We got five minutes to that. All right, so I'm going to try to sneak in another earnings report right quick. But Dennis, go. three minutes. We'll get you out of here. Let's go ahead. Let's get to the next one. A firm. A firm here coming down and starting to crack here. EPS at a loss of 65 cents, missing the 59 cent estimate. Sales at 364.13 million, beating the 354.8 million estimate. Sees Q1 23 revenue at 345 million to 365 million on the high end. The estimate was 386. So definitely starting to lower the guidance there and sees full year 23 revenue. Uh, at a high end of 1.72, a low end of 1.62 versus the 1.34 billion. So a little bit of a mix here uh, on kind of these uh, revenue outlooks moving forward. Q1, a little bit better. Full year, uh, you guys see it there, a raise on the revenue. couple of thoughts here. One is if this market continues to rip higher for whatever reason, they'll look for any dips to buy. So that makes you think that the affirmed dip could get bought. But my second thought is, this is not a company that I want to own whatsoever. I mean, if we are going into a recession, there's there's going to be a lot of buy now, pay never in there. So, mm -hmm. and they have some risk. I just think, <laughs> you know, there's a reason the stock has come off substantially from the highs. As much as it was loved in 2020, it's absolutely hated now. Yeah. With that being said, money managers have too much cash. They're looking for dips. So, I wouldn't be shorting it here. Buy now, bankrupt later. That's what I said, but awesome. who knows? <laughs> we'll see what happens. You guys know I'm a big bear in a firm. I've been calling towards the short side since we've been up there at 39. I think this eventually goes back down to 10 single digits eventually, but who knows? We'll see what happens with the firm. All right, that's it. Uh, Dennis, I don't know if you want to go ahead and start getting I'm gonna, ready. Yeah, I'm going to leave for if Well, I'll stick around for one more minute. Then I'm just going to go wide. I'll give you the, the estimate here. move here um, uh, in a minute here. Um, so give me, give us one more stock. Actually, crap, I had a stock I was going to talk about. Okay, go grab one. No worries. Um, just going to give the estimates here. You can tell me afterwards if you find out. Uh, core PCE, uh, C, uh, core PCE price index month over month, July estimate at 0.3. Prior was 0.6. Uh, year over year estimate is going to be 4.7. Prior is going to be 4.8. Remember, that the algos usually jump on really quickly to the price action here. And then there's a little bit of a swing. You'll see probably the SPY open wide. So just be careful there. We'll see what happens here. Um, we've got about two minutes till we get yeah. that number to start hitting. It was the China stocks I wanted to talk about. They had a huge day yesterday because rumors were that they were going to let our U.S. auditors come and look at the books. So China had a ripper on two-day rally here, really. Alibaba, it seems like they sink it down, down, down. They get back down to those support levels, and they just rip. And I mean rip higher. JD.com, holy mackerel, 55 to 65, 67 now in two days. 
Very, very, very impressive moves here from the China stocks. Billy, we already talked about it. It's ripping higher here as well. Pen Duo Duo PDD from 46 to 64 in like two days. I cannot believe the rip run rally these things get. With that being said, every time these had these wicked rallies, they've been selling opportunities. So I'm going to go wide. I will be back at you. You're going to stick with Mitch here. I'll try to be back with you as soon as I can. All right, guys. And I'll try to go ahead and pull this right off of here. I'll give you guys where this comes out on, at least straight up from uh, the source so that you guys can follow it, too. I know a lot of people like to follow along and take a deeper dive into these reports. And I think it's an important thing that I like to do. You know, sometimes we catch a number as soon as it hits. There's a definitely something uh, to go into these a little bit more in depth and see what's really moving these inflation drivers. Of course, 829, we got about 10 seconds left here. It looks like we're about to get that uh, 830 number. Let's see what happens here. I'm going to try to go towards a one minute. I'm going to put Dennis in the background. Dennis, just turn on your camera whenever you're ready to come back. First move down, first move down. I'm going to go ahead and just put the spy a little bit bigger here on the one minute so that we can see kind of this moving. And you can also see here, uh, I have this light blue here. Um, you can see how it's starting to open wide here. And that's the, that's the dangerous part when you start getting that spy to open wide to try to trade right off of these numbers. Honestly, I don't know how the algos do it, but I know I can't trade off of this number. It's just a little bit too wide for me unless I can react really quickly. But we'll see what happens here. 8.30 just coming on in here, trying to get the first report here of the number. If you guys see it a little bit quicker than I do, then just go ahead and throw it on up. This is probably one of the hardest things that I do is catching these numbers as they hit live, trying to get them to you as fast as possible. Taking a quick look at my Benzinga Pro here to see if they got it faster than the site itself. All right, nothing hitting yet. It's starting to go on up there. 0.1 versus 0.3. There you go, 0.1 versus 0.3. Definitely underneath there. That's going to give us a little bit of lift. Spy coming on up there. Now I'm trying to pull it here from the site. There it is, 0.1 here. I'll show you guys the site here. So... It's a little bit easier when we read it right from the site here. You can see here, PCE price index decreased 0.1. Uh, not bad there. Real DDP increasing 0.3%. Um, there you guys see it. I like to focus on this one here. And you can see how we've been really kind of, we went to 0.7 now to 0.2. Not looking too bad there on the personal income. And this is why I like focusing in here. You can see here the personal consumption expenses, the PCE at 0.1, it was at 1.0 in June, really starting to come down here. I think you're going to see a little bit of a spike here. Let's see what happens in the SPY. We got a little bit of a spike there. Let's see if it could continue that lift. Gave you the shout out there for uh, the uh, kind of perfect uh, answer there, Dana, with the estimate there. Appreciate you guys coming in there. Uh, the year over year number, let me take a look at that one. I haven't seen that one hit yet. All right, so um, the year over year here, I'm trying to get the, all right, so I got personal spending of July. That was also something that I was keeping on watch. The estimate was 0.4. We got a 0.1 versus 0.4. Let's try to get the year over year number here. All right, trying to pull this on up here. Dennis is coming on back here. What did you see there, Dennis? Chop, a lot of chop, kind of right in line. PCE core 0.1% versus 0.2%. So right there. And I think the market doesn't know what to do with that. It's not definitive like, oh my gosh, you know, inflationary. It's not definitive the other way here either. So it's kind of a nothing burger. And that's why you're getting this chop. You're getting a hell of a lot of chop here where they bought it up. They're like, oh, well, it's not that bad. Well, it's not that good either. So, I mean, that's why you're seeing we're kind of almost come back to where we were. So we were down about 10, 12 handles. We rallied all the way up to scratch. And then we've come all the way kind of back down to where we were. So not quite back down to where we were. We were probably down about 14, but we've given back about half of the gains here. 
I think more chop. I think now we look to Powell. Now we look to commentary from Powell. This did not definitively give the market an answer in either direction here today. So this PC number looks to be kind of like a nothing burger here. So now let's move on to Powell. Obviously, we're going to hear from him. 10 o'clock, Powell. Mitch, yep. it's 10, 10 a.m. Eastern time. And you can catch it right here on Benzinga. You don't got to go anywhere, guys. Right here, we got it all for you. We're going to do live trading. And I'm even going to be in that live trading stream as Jerome is speaking. And that's going to be definitely a little bit fun to see what happens to the market then. But let's get out of the PCE talk. Let's go towards our guest today. I'm going to go ahead and get out. Of, yeah, let's, get, let's talk to someone that I think can definitely maybe talk some sense into me in this market. Let's go to Joe Saluzzi here, partner and co-founder of Themis Trading. Welcome on, Joe. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Excited to have you on today. Then, uh, and what do you feel about this kind of recent little pushback here? Um, are you kind of still in the bull camp? Is the June lows in? Ah, that's a good question, right? I think we're kind of in between. You know, we're, we're stuck in this wedge right between the low and the high of, you know, the all-time high and the low from earlier in the year. And I, and I think what you guys are looking at is the right thing. You know, we have to wait on the Fed. We have to wait on what's going on there. And we're kind of – this whole week has been the slowest, I would say, extremely slow volume week. Uh, I just drove by the commuter a lot, the train station. I always drive by in the morning to see how busy that is. There's nobody in there. Okay. So I guess they don't care about the uh, the Jackson Hole speech or either they're working from home still. I don't know. But I, I think, you know, we, we need to see more clarity. They did say they're going to be data dependent. So we all are waiting on that. But, you know, it's a matter of 50, 75 basis points. And then we'll see from there. And then the question is, you know, when do they start cutting? So I, I think what you get to hear from, you know, Powell today is that he's not going to talk about anything about cutting. He's not going to say anything about, you know, he's going to say we're going to be data dependent. We're going to be vigilant. They don't want the 1970s inflation to start and, you know, up and down and that type of deal. So, you know, you would expect that, but then, then we'll go from there. So for now, when it comes to valuations, you know, we're certainly better than we were a couple of years ago. But you know, would we have a 15 P in the summer? We're around 18 now. So it's not rich, but I, I think we're right in the middle. Joe, let's jump into market structure here because we bring you on for your market structure knowledge. You've, I've always looked up to you as, you know, a pioneer in breaking through market structure in 2008, 2009. Yeah, that, original, that original white paper you wrote was should be like framed on your wall, I hope, because that was an excellent white paper. You know, the first one I read when I met you to, back in 2009, I believe it was. Um, let's talk about illegal short sales because you recently wrote a blog post here um, on a case with IMC. Can you talk about this? Because, um, you know, from from this, it looks like maybe some of these illegal short sales or even naked shorting could be more prevalent than we originally thought. Yeah, this was, you know, kind of sort of a really interesting case. It was it was the SEC that brought it. There was a settlement of one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. OK, <laughs> it was like ridiculously low, right? It yeah, was a, a joke. joke. 
but but you know it's really it's what bothers me first of all even before I tell about the case is that it didn't get much press coverage because this everybody kind of blew this one off saying oh it's it's no big deal. I think it's a big deal. Okay, and and it's kind of inside market structure, inside baseball, if you want to call it. But and, and I'll just do, go through a couple of background things on it. There's something called an SDP. Okay, it's called a single dealer platform. It's pretty much you kind of. It's not like payment for order flow, where orders are routed to a market maker and they pay for it. This is more on the institutional end, where let's just say you're running an algorithm and you have a VWAP style algo and you're sending out orders throughout the day. These SDPs are owned by individual brokers. So in this situation, it was IMC's SDP. And the SDP will send out during the day indications of interest that's on the side and the size of what they're interested in doing. They won't put a price on it. On the flip side, those algorithms might see that and respond with an IOC or mediate or cancel order and trade with these SDPs. Sounds fine, right? Doesn't sound like there's anything illegal there, although it is kind of what we call inaccessible liquidity at times for others. But the problem here is the SDP, which is a market maker, was selling stock to these algorithms short, okay? Just like they do in market making world, where if you're a market maker, what you have to remember, you guys know this, if you're yeah. a bona fide market maker, you get a short sale exemption, which means yeah. you don't need to locate, okay? That's the way the rules are written. Whether you like yeah. it or not, the rules are that way. In this situation, the way the case is written was that the SEC said you did not have an order, technically an order, because there was no price on it. Therefore, you do not get a bona fide market maker exemption. Therefore, every short sale you made since 2017 in this situation was illegal. It had no locate. Wow. Okay, no locate involved. And therefore, the SEC says, you know what, $125,000, fine. I think that's a big deal. Nobody yeah. else seems to think it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal. Uh, IMC is not the only SDP out there. Many market makers run their own SDPs. This is the type of stuff that we're talking about. You know, where are these short sales? You know, I know the, the apes and the meme stock guys could complain and scream, but this is market structure. You need to understand. You need to really dig down there and say, okay, what's going on here? If it's one thing, like you've got the ex ex exemption there, so you know that gives them an edge, you know, obviously over the majority of the of the public. But what the bigger here is, issue is that they weren't using the exemption correctly, and they fine them a hundred. What is one hundred twenty five grand? Yeah, is that I, a joke? I mean, I think it's a joke. I think it's just putting enough face in it at that point. Like, that's like, that, like that's unbelievable. You yeah. know, you're talking about and from your post saying millions of you know potential short sale violations, hundred twenty five thousand yes. dollars fine. It sounds absolutely insane. It right. doesn't and sound then, like it makes any sense whatsoever. Like, how do you you know? It, it's it's obviously they're probably making a hell of a lot more money than I mean the fine. I mean the fine should at least equal you know what you were making or at least a portion of it. I mean one hundred twenty five thousand dollars is an absolute joke. How do you just and the question? I mean, these guys ceased operations in twenty twenty. Okay, but how do we know there's nobody else doing this? You know, is, are there yeah. any other cases like this? I don't know. You know, and one hundred twenty five thousand dollars, like you said, is not going to, you know, tell people not scare not anybody to away, it. right? So you're going to continue doing it. Um, this is a big deal. You know, this will add to short. I mean, now, of course, a lot of these market makers are in and out throughout the day. So at the end yeah. of the day, are they really holding a short position? Probably not. But it doesn't matter. The rules are the rules. You yeah. play by the rules. I play by the rules. Everybody yes. should play by the rules. Yes. I mean, then that's just it. There shouldn't, you know, and I get the market maker exemption to a certain extent because we have to have liquidity. But the whole thing, like, we're, with you're, you're supposed to be posting a two-sided market at all times. You know, that's why how you're a market maker because you're out there buyer of last resort. You know, give me a market. I know when we go back to, like, the flash crash, remember they had the stub quotes and people, you know, the market makers are, are, are posting a one-cent bid and a $2,000 offer, and then they're posting all the time, which is a joke. So I know they've tightened that up to a certain extent. But it sounds to me like IMC wasn't even posting a two-sided market. And right, so, but, but the SDP doesn't have to. It's it's yeah. kind of an indication of interest. And that, not in itself, by the way. And they shouldn't get the exemption. Right. They're a little controversial. They, they This came out of Europe. The SDPs were there first. And we've kind of developed them here in the U.S. But there's been some papers written on SDPs in general, whether or not information leakage is going out there. You know, for instance, if you're a VWAP algo and you're, let's just say you're a large mutual fund running an algo and it's yeah. trading throughout the day and it's going to the SDP for whatever reason, okay, maybe it's cheaper there, maybe they're getting a rebate, I don't know. But either way, that SDP is one market maker. It's not like you're going to an ATS where there's a bunch of, you know, an alternative trading system where there's a bunch of traders, we're all in there, you know, jockeying for position, trying to get to the other side of the trade. The SDP is only one person, only one firm on the other end. So there's been papers, there was a firm called Best X Research, Best X Research that wrote a paper saying there's information leakage 
from the algorithm going into that SDP because they can see the same person coming through, through, through. So, you know, are they potentially leaking information on their order flow? Good question. But either way, you know, these are this is again inside baseball that you know we talk about dark pools, right? You know, what is a yeah. dark pool? Well, there's a crossing network, there's something called liquid net bids, which we like because they're you know they're sizable pools that we get significant liquidity for our institutional clients. Then there are ATSs, which are broker-owned, which we all can jump into, and then there's something called an SDP. And an SDP is an individual market maker trading with you know some sending out IOIs throughout the day. It's a lot of liquidity. It's a lot of volume. And it's just more market structure that folks should know about. This is the complicated. Like, I mean, this is the problem with the U.S. market structure. It's just so bloody complicated. There's so much going on. I mean, we have so many venues. Like, just take it to where you execute as well. I mean, you know, you got how many? I can't even keep track of how many public exchanges there are now. But then you've got, you know, 30 or 40 or 50 dark pools. You have all the off-exchange market makers. I mean, nobody knows where the hell or their order is even going. So, right. I mean, we just it, need more transparency in the whole execution process. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's, you know, where and, and, the, and the complexity. How do we make these markets more simple, Joe? Yeah. Well, look at the sign behind me, right? Broken markets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's It's really, you know, that's 10 years ago, Dennis, that we were. Yeah, I know. A long time. Years fly by here. <laughs> Still going, right? Yeah, I know. And, but, you know, and they tweak around the edges. And right now, Chair Gensler, the SEC chairman, they're looking at the retail market structure. They're probably going to come up with a big proposal in the fall. You know, it's probably going to be centered around something to do with payment for order flow. I doubt they'll put through a ban. That's not going to happen. But I think there's one thing that you want to be careful of and definitely watch for this. Everybody is jockeying on the sub penny tick size right now. In other words, right now, the minimum tick for a stock over a dollar is one penny per share, right? One penny. They want to go lower. Okay. And everyone, the market makers are in there. The uh, HFT firms want to go to a tenth of a penny. The New York Stock Exchange just came out and said they want to go to a quarter of a penny. Be careful. Be very careful here because the lower you go, the more price points they are, the more price points they are to take advantage and jump ahead of somebody else. For you sure. know, we can't win on the speed game. Well, right. With guys like us, we're never going to win the speed game because you're not building a co-location set up and you're not buying ports and so on. So we don't play that game. But if they're out there and you post a bid, it's ten dollars eleven cents, ten dollars twelve, you know, ten dollars eleven, eleven one, eleven one two. You know, what do you think's gonna happen? They're just gonna keep jumping ahead of you. So, you know, maybe something more like an intelligent tick size, which is another idea out there, which says, how about half a penny, maybe? And then if it even actually if there's small caps out there, how about wider? And yeah. I, I know we talked about this a little while ago, but wide ticks are not that bad, believe it or not, when you're trying to aggregate and bucket liquidity at the top of the book on stocks that don't trade that much. Right. We're not talking about the active names, the active names. Yeah, maybe a half a penny works, but be careful. A lot of guys are out there jockeying. They're trying to influence the SEC. Watch for that one in the fall. It's coming. How quickly we forget to because we had this problem. This is why they came up with the rule. I get all the rules confused. I think it was 612, the sub penny rule. But the reason they came up with that was because you'd have these flashing quotes, these quotes that were just changing so fast that you couldn't even follow them as a human being. You know, when we went from, you know, fractions, obviously only 16 pricing increments back in 2001 to decimalization, you know, then we had 100 pricing increments, but then we went into the sub pennies and they didn't have a rule for that. And you would see like, you know, just so many different quote changes all the time that my, my quotes would literally flicker. And, it, and they talked about this when they brought in Reg NMS for 612, that they didn't want the flickering quotes. And right. that's why they brought in Real 612. Well, now we're talking about going back to that. Did they already forget about the flickering quote yeah. problem? Because yeah. that's what's going to happen. When you go to these you know, sub-penny sub quotes, you're just going to see right. the change, price changes so much that your quote is literally flickering at you. It actually hurts your eyes. That's exactly. what's going to happen. It, what, what value are we adding for real liquidity? Right? You know, you're not adding much value there with sub-pennies. What, what the rationale is going to be is they're going to say, well, wait a second. Payment for order flow. Market makers have payment for order flow, and they're allowed to trade, not quote, trade in subpenny quotes. Therefore, everybody should be allowed to quote in subpenny quotes. Quotes and trades are two different things. Yes. Okay, I trade midpoint all day long on IEX and other venues where there's liquidity, which is sizable, which doesn't hurt my clients, which allows me to get in and out of positions without the noise of the HFTs trying to jump ahead of me. So that's the, that's a different story. But when you are quoting. In sub pennies, that is a you're going to add million. Just think about all the price points and all the extra data that's going to be pumping through. 
We yeah. can't handle that. You know, regular investors can't handle that. If you buy a co-location setup over at Mawa for the New York Stock Exchange and you pay them millions of dollars a year and then get certain lines to get, you know, data feeds and so on. Yeah, then maybe that's good for you, but that's not good for the average investor. I, I, I mean, this is adding more complexity. Again, going back to my you know question to you a couple of minutes ago. I mean, the markets are so complex. You're just adding more complexity on top of it all. And we keep trying to fix problems by making things more complex. How do we really make these markets simpler? How do we get back? Like it was one thing, okay, we have a monopoly. 90% of stocks were quoted on New York Stock Exchange. You know, so, you know, it wasn't fair when we went public. You know, the exchanges went public is really when a lot of these problems started. But, you know, when they went public for profit, because um, it used to be like a utility, which to your point, you've made that point a lot of times. But like, I just think like, how do we get back? We don't need this many places to execute. How do we just, like start, you know, bringing it back to just like, you know, almost like, like I mean, the CME. You know, S&P yeah. futures is right. fairly efficient. And, right. you know, I, I don't know. Eventually, they're probably going to break that monopoly, too. But, I mean, you know, it's it's a very efficient. There's no, like, you know, oh, I'm going to post on this exchange or this exchange to try to get ahead of you. The simplicity of it just makes me almost jealous as an equity trader. Right. And, and even just go back to pre-reg NMS, the New York Stock Exchange had 80% market share of New York Stock Exchange listed stocks. Now, they had issues there as well. There were problems down the exchange, which is why Reg NMS came out. And, you know, we, we compare it to a, if you take a glass and you break the glass, you've shattered it now, right? You've got all these pieces. Now your options are to try to glue it back together again and get some sort of market like you're talking about. But rather what the industry does is they take those broken glass pieces and they break them again. Yeah. Because the more you break them, the more profit opportunities, the more arbitrage opportunities you create. You don't care about efficient prices. You don't care about price discovery. You care about your profit model and your money. And since you're a public stock exchange, you care about that only. You're right, Dennis. This is a simple process. You want to buy. I want to sell. Yeah. What is the problem here? You know, Why, why do, do we I have to go to a Rube Goldberg machine and go through 17,000 hops yeah. before? Because it's, they want the intermediary in there. They want to make the buck. They don't want me to be able to trade directly with you, Joe. And I hope we just didn't lose Joe there. I think he might have just lost him. But we we're just getting yeah, into I a good conversation here, too. Yeah. Let, let me see. Let me put him in the background, see if he just comes back really quickly. Um, but, but, yeah, but, but either way, I there mean, is. that's He's the back. problem is unnecessary. Oh, there he is. So I was just going right. to say to you, Joe, the unnecessary intermediation. Like we've got, you know, they don't want me to be able to trade directly with you, Joe, because they can't take their cut. They want to make sure that they're going to sell, you know, you, that they're going to sell it to you and you're, I'm going to buy it from them. That's it. They want to be in the middle. Right. Now, they'll, they'll call that providing liquidity, Dennis, and you should be thankful. For that. <laughs> <laughs> you should be thankful. And, but and think about it. If we're trading 10 billion, 12 billion shares a day of U.S. stocks, if we were to get rid of the noise, you know, that number will drop to probably five to six billion. But is that a bad thing? Is it a bad thing if real volume is just trading with real volume and supply is meeting demand and price discovery is actually working as opposed to the noise of the day, the illegal shorts that are out there, the failure to locate and all the other noise? Let's get back to that. But I, to, honestly, it's never going to happen. The yeah. industry is too strong. The lobbying yeah. is too effective. The money is too deep. So you yeah. can't get there. So all you can do is kind of tweak around the edges now and try to stop more glasses from being broken. That's what we need. We need less broken glasses and less broken markets here, Joe. So always appreciate your thoughts, Joe Saluzzi. Pioneer market structure, really. I mean, when I look back, I've learned so much from you and Sal over the years here. So thanks so much, Joe, for your time here again. We'll have you back real soon. You got it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Thank Joe. You. All right. That was a great conversation there. I'm not going to lie. I sat back well, and was enjoying it there. And the first thing I thought of was the same thing that you said, Dennis. How do we make this simple again, yeah. right? Because it's just too confusing for the average investor, right? I mean, the average investor is just going to be even lost, like not Impossible. even to get a chance to figure it out. I Impossible mean, to find, you know, and the holes in the plumbing is to Joe's point is how a lot of companies make a lot of money is by, you know, finding those holes in the plumbing. Yep. I mean, and it's legal money, you know, and they find ways, but you know, when you're actually having you know executed, you know, illegal short sales there and you're getting a $125,000 fine, doesn't sound like the punishment fits the crime whatsoever. No, it does not. All right, let's get back to the markets here. It looks like we are just pretty much unchanged since that PCE number. Yeah. Um, we haven't really moved up or down. And why? 
I think everyone's just watching and waiting, right? Everyone's all eyes are still on uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell's speech later For today sure. at 10 a.m. Calm that's, before the storm. We are right mm-hmm. in the calm before We're the storm. We're in the storm. eye. We're in we the eye. We didn't get any new information there. It wasn't definitively hot. It wasn't definitively not. It was just there, right near expectations. So that equals chop fest. So, and again, remember, we're in the dog days of August. This is the biggest vacation day of the of, of vacation week of the year, really, for traders before they go. We know Joel Alcon is on vacation here. Tim Quas, I think, was going on vacation. Me and you should have went on vacation here, Mitch, but we're stuck <laughs> and we can't, you know, we're, we got the FOMO here going, so we can't leave. <laughs> and, and Benzinga needs us here, so we're here. But, I mean, you just look here. It's it's less liquidity out there, which will give you more chop as well, because there's just a lot of traders not trading. When you get after Labor Day, then you start getting definitive direction. But right now, we're just kind of stuck in this chop fest. All right. Now, I do want to do something a little bit special for us here. Let me go ahead and just share my screen here so that you guys can see what I want to show you guys, um, which is a clip here from Todd Gordon on our show. Uh, pretty much giving us uh, a little bit of a forward look on the Elon Musk deal that just went down with SpaceX collaborating with T-Mobile to put an end to cell phone dead zones. I feel we don't do this too often. So let's take a look at his clip that was back in time that you guys could have caught with Todd Gordon right here on pre-market prep. I don't know how how Elon is not playing this game that he's going to connect satellites to this to the cars i think he has about 1500 2000 satellites give or take in the air right now fcc has permissioned him for 40,000 lower earth orbit satellites he's going to blanket the globe that's going to provide seamless internet coverage that is going to assist the autonomous driving uh game and i just don't see how he doesn't destroy the competition with this everyone else i don't know how to there you guys see it him calling out also the 5g also and how it didn't have a lot of range i'll give you guys the full video if you guys want to check this out but this was you know back and that's why i i really like kind of following and, and making sure that we stay with it this was on december 15 2021 so this is why you kind of follow here on pre-market prep we have some great guests that really give some good opinions and later down the line a lot of the times you see their uh, opinion become to, uh, through to fruition. So not so a bad. So give us the news here. It. I don't know if you have actually mentioned what the news is here, Mitch. We okay, so the, the news here, the new news here is a deal with Elon Musk, uh, SpaceX, and T-Mobile to put an end to cell phone uh, dead zones. Um, so pretty much, this is going to be a deal with T-Mobile and SpaceX to get some of user satellites to give some of those cell phone ranges a little bit further out and get them in the real remote areas in the country. Um, There's still some areas where 5G is not reaching and this is, we'll go ahead and give them that reach. Starlink is going to be a major disruptor for all the telecommunications companies here. It's another reason that I just don't want to own AT&T and Verizon. Um, You know, and obviously they can provide the cell phones themselves. I mean, but I just think, you know, there's a reason here. You look at AT AT&T with an attractive 6% dividend. You're like, how can I go wrong? Verizon 5.86%. How can I go wrong? You go wrong if Elon Musk is going to piss in your pool here. So, I mean, him joining up with T-Mobile is not good news for AT&T and Verizon here. It's very good news for T-Mobile. I don't know if this is official as this was just from the tweet. I saw the tweet, but I've got to think that Starlink is going to be a big uh, competitor here. Uh, in the telecommunications industry. I don't would never want to fight Elon Musk. Yeah, uh, I would just say keep it like that, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there's probably uh, no reason to fight Elon Musk. And uh, no. and Starlink is, is his his way, right? I mean, he, he's pretty smart. He's first getting up the technology and then also worrying more and more what he can do with that technology. This is just one more thing. And I think that that's what Todd Gordon was relating to is that, you know, he's going to soon have, you know, he has up to 40,000 of these that could be up there. And once he has that, he's going to have an advantage over a lot of other companies that don't have those satellites up there. And so I know that I've talked about before how I don't feel that FSD is probably the way to go. But he might win the autonomous game just with by using some of that Starlink technology to try to help out the autonomous companies get to that next level. 
We'll see what happens there. T-Mobile is up today. It didn't get the craziest spike. We'll see if it can continue. I like the daily outlook. What do you think about the daily outlook on T-Mobile? Um, I just like the fact, fundamental news, if he's talking about teaming up with you know Elon Musk here, I think that's fantastic news for T-Mobile. So, and I also like the fact that this thing's on your all-time high. So I don't yeah. see anything not to like in T-Mobile. I'd Best be of breeds. Best of breeds there. I definitely think so. I mean, when you take a look at T, uh, AT&T and you take a look at Verizon, uh, not the same chart. T-Mobile's taking off. At the same chart, right, guys? I mean, Not even close. Not even close. And so. if that's the one that Elon Musk is choosing to partner with here, that's the one I'd want to own. There you guys have it. Let's go ahead. Let's do a little bit. Of, we got three minutes left here. What ticker uh, do you want to maybe mention? Are you, you? What do you think about oil? Uh, it's just starting to go a little bit sideways. Had a lower rest period yesterday. I'm going to look to see if we can get another leg up. Um, it's interesting to kind of keep watch. I also saw uh, Steel make a big move yesterday. Um, that's all off of the Cleveland Cliff news that came out on Wednesday um, about a $75 ton. And Cleveland Cliff, the last two days, really taking off here. Um, so keep your eyes on some of these Steel stocks. Um, again, I think they've pulled back enough that they're attractive. I said it yesterday on the show, mm -hmm. X and Cleveland Cliffs both had pretty good days oh. here. So Newport I don't mind too. steel here. And Newport pullback, was one pullback, that I was watching. So not chasing. Yeah, definitely. Be careful out there. Uh, now I can catch a stock in the chat there. Let's go ahead and, uh, let's do Baba. Again, uh, we just talked briefly. This is an unbelievable three-day move here from bliss to piss, just like that. All these Chinese stocks blasting off into orbit. Obviously, yesterday, I believe they were saying they're going to let the U.S. audit potentially come in. We've heard this before, but it's enough to lift it here. Although I will also say that every time these things start getting kickstarted, eventually it's just another selling opportunity. So, I mean, you just rallied $16 on BABA in two and a half days. This is, you know, if you're buying it now, you're doing it backwards. All right. Uh, they're still asking about PayPal. I think we talked about this yesterday, but how do you see it after? Well, PayPal's going to be down action? a little bit this morning with the firm. There's a linkage there, not a big linkage, but it's there. Obviously, the direct competitor or direct you know, relationship trades upstart. It's not down much either because we already heard from them. PayPal and Square were both trading down a little bit as well, just you know, with the affirmed news. But I think we've already kind of heard from those companies, so I think that they might shrug it off. All right, let's go to um, what else we got being mentioned here. We got the S&P futures going green here once again. So, you know, jockeying ahead, lots of chop. We got the rip, we got the dip. Now we get the subsequent rip here again. Only thing I'm going to say today is I can pretty much, you know, got a pretty good feel for it is it's going to be a lot of chop. And if you're trading chop, if you're chasing moves, chop, that's not the way to make money in choppy environments. The way to make money in chopping environments is to fade moves. So, Buying dips, selling reps, that's the recipe for success in 2022. I think that's still the recipe for success today. All right. I'll uh, do a little UNG talk out there. I did see uh, kind of a note put out there by Johnny Marshall, senior economist at Resolution Foundation, talking about uh, energy in Britain and Europe overall. He's saying here that we are on course to, for thousands to see their energy cut off entirely where millions would be unable to pay bills and build up unmanageable arrays there. Um, of course, the British government announced a 400 pound grant to all households over six months from October to help with bills. Uh, this is something that we got to keep on watch. The situation there is really going to determine what happens. Nord Stream pipeline to uh, going to go down uh, next week on the 31st. So keep that one on your radar. All right, that's going to do it for us, 9 a.m. It's been Have a good great weekend, week. everyone. Definitely pay attention to see what happens out of that Jackson Hole Symposium. Yep. Appreciate you, like always, Dennis. We'll definitely have you back see on. See you, Mitch. Have everyone have a, have a great good day. weekend. Take care. All right, that's going to do it for us right here on Pre-Market Prep. Like always, where you guys get everything you guys need to get ready for the trading action. Today, we covered it all. From, of course, the PCE to all eyes on Fed Chair Jerome Powell. We talked about Merck um, and we talked about Marvell's earnings, Ulta, Affirm. Um, we didn't get into Workday. So if you guys want to hear about Workday, you can come on over to live trading that's going to be starting right after this. And we did cover that Elon Musk uh, SpaceX collaboration with T-Mobile. 
had our special guest, Joe Saluzzi, partner and co-founder of Themis Trading. So definitely check that on out. Joe talking a lot about market structure there. And the only thing I can ask is keep it simple for us retail traders out there. Give us a thumbs on up if you guys enjoyed this. We're going to go and bring you guys over to live trading. Live trading will be getting on today. And then a little bit in between, we will have an interview from a company. Go on over. Come on, check out live trading with us. And we'll also have a little bit of all access in between. But we're going to go ahead and make sure that we're ready to go by the time that uh, Jerome Powell is speaking. And you will be able to catch that speech. Uh, speech right here on Benzinga. You don't got to go anywhere searching around to see where the Jackson Hole Symposium is going to be. Right here on Benzinga, we will have it on a separate stream for you guys. Check it on out. Give us a subscribe if you're not subscribed before so that you can be notified the moment these videos go live. I'll see you guys next time. Hit the like. I hope you guys appreciated today and all week. We didn't have Joel. It's always a lot better when we have Joel. We'll have him back next week. So give us a thumbs on up and I'll see you guys in just a little bit on live trading. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.